Hello, I'm Shiv. Pronouns they, them, and welcome to Queer Culture. Together, we're going to unravel the cultural phenomenons that make our community so unique and something that everyone wants a piece of these days. When I talk about queerness throughout this podcast, I don't mean the rainbows and glitter of what we've come to know in 2023. A phrase that really helps me understand what I mean about queerness comes from Bell Hooks, an incredible writer, a radical activist, a powerful black woman. She says, queer not as being about who you're having sex with, that can be a dimension of it, but queer as being about the self that is at odds with everything around it. And that's exactly some of what we will be looking into through the course of this podcast. In a very queer fashion, I'm bringing you this from my living room. You might occasionally hear the odd meow from my cat. He's called Bronsky, named after the band Bronsky Beat. He's my producer, or producer, and my aim here is to create something for our community, something informative that allows us to connect with our rich but erased history. Something overall enjoyable. Now, enough of the preamble ramble. This first episode, I am bringing something to you that has been rattling around in my brain for the longest of time. You've no doubt heard this phrase before. Be gay, do crimes. You've probably even said it yourself, I know I have. And I know I'm not reading too much into it when I think of this phrase as an anti-capitalist, anti-authoritarian statement, a rallying cry for our community, because civility has historically been used as a method of oppression for marginalised communities, including the queer communities. So breaking the rules or even breaking the law is necessary and has always been necessary in the fight for equal rights. If it wasn't for lawbreakers, the civil liberties movement in the US wouldn't have happened. If it wasn't for lawbreakers, women wouldn't be allowed to vote here in the UK. If it wasn't for lawbreakers, we wouldn't have been having gay sex for all the centuries that we have been having it. Now, I like the plural version. I like be gay, do crimes, with the S on the end. Not the watered-down version of be gay, do crime. A singular crime is all well and good, but the freedoms and possibilities that multiple crimes allow gives me that feeling of looking out on an empty beach and knowing that the opportunities for peeing in the sea are endless. The reason I've been thinking about this phrase so much is because I saw it graffitied at my local bus stop. I took a photo with it and made some caption on Instagram about the Hopper bus fare hoping that it wouldn't get taken down for inciting any sort of criminal behaviour. But queer people, gay people, have been criminals and sometimes still are criminals just for being who they are in a number of countries around the world. 69 as it stands today. And so, in true Gen Z fashion, the first thing I did when I was trying to research where this slogan comes from was Google it. The first origins I could find dating back to 2016, despite the fact that for centuries gays were doing crimes and those crimes were being gay. As a slogan, it was originally graffitied on a wall in France and posted online, and since then it's been graffitied all over the world and made its way to my local bus stop and the bargain bin of good queer slogans, Etsy merch. 
It's something that's used as more of a rallying cry than a call to action, I should point out. Not everyone who says the phrase be gay do crimes is suggesting by any means that any members of the LGBTQIA plus community should be scamming their way to be able to afford top surgery or donning balaclavas and raiding corner shops for poppers or breaking into pharmacies late at night for hormones. Although those ideas don't sound all that bad. Anyway, the queer community has had a long history of being gay and doing crimes. In fact, the reason here in the UK that we have the rights that we have is because we were sick and tired of doing crimes. The LGBTQIA plus community were vilified and they were targeted. They were targeted in the 60s and the 70s by police. So at one point, a group of activists got together and said, hey, we're done with this. Damn right. They were sick and tired and they decided to put together a march against police brutality the police brutality that was directed at gay men. The catalyst for this protest was because somebody was arrested, purely on the suspicion that he had been cruising. Now, if you don't know what that word means, I don't want to get in trouble with anyone's parents, but it is something that has a long history within the LGBTQIA community, particularly gay men, and it's something that I'm sure eventually we'll talk about. Let's just say it doesn't involve cruise ships or vessels and going around the Mediterranean, but it is a way that gay men usually would meet up for anonymous sexual relationships. People still go cruising today, but back in the day in a world pre-internet, pre-grinder, it was really the only option people had in order to find someone to hook up with that was into a similar thing that they might be into. And despite the fact that homosexuality was partially decriminalised in 1967, it was still massively stigmatised. And the bits that were legal were pretty restrictive. Essentially, if you were a gay man over the age of 21, you were allowed to be gay, but only in a private residence. Going outside to find someone to hook up with is no longer private. So for a couple of easy arrests, police would head down to the well-known cruising spots and try and arrest anyone who looked like they could be slightly fruity. And when this happened to Lewis Eakes on the mere suspicion that he was cruising... The Gay Liberation Front came together and really got organised about what they were doing. 150 people gathered on the 25th of November 1970. They were there in defiance against police brutality, against the targeting of the gay community and against the fact that police officers would quite often set up traps for gay men to fall into just for the arrest. Highbury Field still exists. Get off at Highbury and Islington Station. It's only a stone's throw from there. It's a nice place. You can find me there in summer with an ice cream or a cold beer, maybe a picnic and a few friends. But I was expecting this to be the kind of place where there'd be a big sign on the front saying, hey, this is where the gay rights started. This is where the UK's Stonewall happened. It wasn't really like that. Pretty much nobody I've spoken to about this knew that this event even took place. There is sort of a small sign attached to a building in Highbury Fields where you can see the sign reading, Outrage, the first gay rights demonstration in Britain took place here. And that is cool, but unless you really look for it and you know that it exists and you're determined to find it, I guarantee it's not something people are stumbling across. 
Just two years after this first demonstration was the first Pride March to have taken place anywhere in the UK. And it was organised by those same people who were protesting against police brutality towards the gay community. It absolutely baffles me how now people can march alongside police and even cheer for police and pride. But it just shows how rooted our community is in being full of crime. Because the reason we have the rights that we have today is because we were fighting against the fact that we were being arrested for being queer. And it isn't like this stuff is ancient history. There are people living today, alive, still campaigning, still fighting the good fight, who were there, who were getting arrested, who were on Highbury Fields that cold November day. And I guess that's part of the reason why I want to make this podcast, is to remember the stuff that we seem to be so easy to forget. Hopefully you're enjoying what you're hearing so far. I'm going to put a small break in here... And I wanted to give you a heads up because sometimes you can be listening to a podcast and everything sounds one way and then suddenly there's an advert that sounds like it is scratching out the inside of your ears. So as we go into an advert, please enjoy the gentle sounds of my cat's purr. So you should have got an advert in there somewhere and the sounds of Bronsky purring. This podcast is completely coming out of my mind and I'm kind of making it up as I go along. I've got no money behind this. I've got no funding behind it. I spend a lot of my life researching elements of LGBTQIA plus history and culture. And frankly, I bore my friends in the pub with it. I talk about these things at any given opportunity and it is sometimes amazing to be able to share bits of knowledge with the community. But it can also be disheartening that there's so much of our history people just simply don't know. So the whole point of me making this podcast is to try and share as much information as I can so that our histories do not get forgotten and it's all a bit of a work in progress so I would also love for you to get in touch with me on the Instagram queer underscore cult underscore ure to let me know what you might want to hear more about. This takes a lot of work and I am loving doing it however if you'd like to support me you can. Subscribe, rate, review the podcast, tell your friends about it, tell your enemies about it Follow us on social media. All of the links are in the episode description. And if you can, sign up to the Patreon. For just a couple of pounds a month, the cost of an iced latte, you will help me bring this podcast to as many people as possible. I don't want to make any of the podcast material hidden behind a paywall. My idea is that if you can pay and you can support and you want to do that, please go ahead and do that. But I don't want to make anything that will be inaccessible to anybody because of their financial situation. So if you can afford to pay, just know that you're paying for you and for the person who might not be able to afford it. And if you can't afford it, don't worry. 
hopefully somebody else who can does. And hopefully as this podcast develops and grows, I can bring you some of those first-hand experiences from the people who were there at the starting point of the queer liberation movement. Now, some people call the Stonewall Uprising the beginning of the LGBTQIA plus rights movement. I'll probably do a whole episode on why I disagree with that at some point. But what cannot be denied is the Stonewall Uprising was a key turning point for LGBTQIA plus liberation. And oh, it was a riot. And a riot's a word that makes some people uncomfortable when talking about Stonewall. And I think that's partly because capitalist queerness is becoming more and more acceptable. So the dirty, seedy underbelly, the fighting, the rioting, the being at odds with everything around you queerness is becoming less and less acceptable. Polite society are pushing it away, saying, be this kind of queer, not that kind of queer. But we originated from that fighting, from that radical, that political movement, that grit, that seedy underbelly when we were pushed to the outskirts of society. And so while I get that people in the community like to use the word uprising, I think it's part of both. A riot is a violent disturbance of the peace by a crowd. There was violence. There was disturbance. Oh, there wasn't much peace. That's exactly what happened at Stonewall. There was not a polite, peaceful protest. People weren't singing kumbaya surrounding a tree. There was violence, there was disturbance, and there was not a whole lot of peace that night when the police raided a bar being run by the mob. That was their excuse for raiding the bar, that there was mob activity going on in the pub. And to be fair, the mob did run the Stonewall Inn back in 1969. When the police got there, they saw a group of queers and decided to get heavy-handed. They were heavy-handed trying to arrest people who were doing things that were illegal, but not justly illegal. They were doing things like cross-dressing. They were doing things like having same-sex relationships. Just because those things are illegal doesn't mean that they're wrong. Sometimes the law can be wrong too. In fact, the law is wrong in countries all around the world where it's illegal to be queer. But those thugs in law enforcement, they had a history of harassing the queer community in New York City. They had a history of being violent with the queer community. They had a history of committing crimes, the crimes that they had pledged to prevent. And for some reason that night, there was a break in space and time. And in that moment, the people in the bar were compelled to stand their ground. There are rumours that people died at Stonewall. Nobody died at Stonewall, but 12 people were arrested. And this isn't all about Stonewall. I'll create a whole separate episode to talk about the icons that we remember from the uprising, like Sylvia Rivera, Marsha P. Johnson, that infamous brick. And I'll also talk about some of the names that are little well less known, like Stormy DeLavery. But the point is that crimes are a part of our culture and that the LGBTQIA plus community has been doing crimes for a long time and has been doing them peacefully. In Britain, it was illegal to be in same-sex relationships, situationships or even friends with benefits arrangements. And that's all down to the 1533 Buggery Act under King Henry VIII's reign. Which is ironic, because all through school I was taught about that man and the fact that he could not keep it in his pants. So why is he telling other people what they can and can't do with what's in their pants? Back in his day, this could have got you the death penalty. 
Then, in 1885, the law went one step further, making it illegal for any male homosexual acts in private or public. An affectionate letter between two men was enough to get them banged up. And there are still straight men hundreds of years later who struggle to show affection to each other, perhaps because of this internalised genetic fear that you're not allowed to show affection towards men, because what if they think you're gay? Come on, someone, think of the straights. Well, this law in 1885, that's the one that got our boy Oscar Wilde. And it's interesting here because we do think about the queer community as one community. We think of people in same-sex relationships as having had similar struggles. But female same-sex loving was actually never outlawed. It was discussed in Parliament, and I have a really fun time imagining how that would have gone down. But ultimately, the stiff upper-lipped aristos of Queen Victoria's government decided that women aren't shagging each other anyway. Coining the age-old question, how do lesbians have sex? They decided that making a law prohibiting women from having sex with one another would only encourage Katy Perry kind of curiosity. So lesbians were left to legally finger-blast their heart's content. That's not to say lesbians were not doing crimes. They just had to get a little bit creative with them. Because lesbians like what? A challenge. And lesbians are what? Pioneers. In 1988, as politicians were deciding upon new legislation to ruin the lives of queer people once again, Section 28, or Clause 28, prohibited local authorities and schools from promoting homosexuality, meaning people couldn't be taught about same-sex relationships. Kids who were questioning their sexuality or teased with gay slurs on the playground weren't able to turn to their teachers. And if they did, their teachers weren't able to talk to them about what they're experiencing. So that's where the lesbians come in. Lesbians who for too long were being silenced not silent. They decided they would get loud. The night this bill was passed into law, two big demonstrations took place spearheaded by women loving women. I couldn't tell you exactly which laws were being broken, but I'm pretty sure breaking into the BBC, storming a studio while the cameras are rolling live on the six o'clock news and shouting, stop the clause, hours before the bill is voted on, is illegal. And that's exactly what happened. Four women were taken down to the police station, but the BBC, our benevolent state broadcaster, didn't press charges. This action did result in my all-time favourite headline. For context, you've got to know that some people refer to the BBC as auntie, and the all-time favourite headline of mine is Dykes Penetrate Auntie. Another incredible headline was Beeb Man Sits on Lesbian, but it's not quite got the same ring to it. A close second. So after being sat on by a BBC news reporter, going to the police station, coming back out, these women then went to Parliament, where other innovators were plotting. The girlies had been doing a whole lot of actions, blockades, breaking into places, trying to be heard, and it was hardly reported on. A theme when it comes to lesbian protest action is media inaction. This demonstration was sort of different. Four women got into the House of Lords as guests of one of the peers. Two others joined them in the public gallery. And as parliamentarians voted to ruin the lives of queer people at the strike of midnight, that was the signal. Using a washing line bought earlier that day at Clapham Market, some of the women abseiled down into the Grand Chamber. And others were trying to block the security. 
The women who'd gone over the balcony with the washing line were thrown out. The others, who were sort of providing them cover, were the ones who got arrested. Those who were free spoke to the press, but the press, surprise, surprise, didn't believe that they'd done it until the ones who got arrested actually joined them all at the pub and said, no, hold on a minute, it is true. Now that we live in the world where the stories of lesbians or women-loving women criminal activity are beginning to get told more widely and not just in Orange is the New Black, society is caught up to the fact that people do crimes and lesbians are people, so some lesbians do crimes and that's really all it took. That, the desperation for representation and a good meme, meant that there was an overwhelming sense of joy when news broke of a lesbian taking criminal activity beyond the realm of this planet. I don't mean the crystals, the sage, the Ouija board stuff, seeking vengeance from dead homophobes, although that would be kind of cool. I mean out-of-this-world type criminal behaviour. Still, like, within reality, though. I should probably make it clear for legal reasons that the allegations against this person have all been cleared, so... So it has been found that what was being reported on didn't actually happen. But here's the gossip anyway. Anne McLean is an astronaut. She goes by the call sign Animal, a nickname she picked up in her rugby playing days. Shocker, a lesbian who plays rugby. So in 2019, her ex, I mean, it's a story about lesbians, of course, there's going to be an ex involved. The ex, Summer Warden, filed a complaint against Animal, accusing her of illegally accessing financial information while living on board the International Space Station. It was reported on by the New York Times and then... Lesbian space crime memes were born everywhere. Being queer, we can't just have nice things and live, laugh, lesbian. So it has been revealed that Animal did not do these crimes and actually her ex is awaiting trial now for making these false statements... Not only did this ex lie about Animal committing a crime in the middle of a messy divorce, but in doing so, and the press coverage, it actually outed Animal as a lesbian. Sort of the one bit of positivity we can get out of that is she's now one of the three known lesbians to have gone to space. But the fact that people are still being outed in the 21st century is ridiculous and we should know better. So, the moral of the lesbian space crime story is that lesbians really are doing the most. Oh, and be gay do crime. This is a brand new podcast I am creating in my living room. You might occasionally hear the odd meow from my cat called Bronsky after the band Bronsky Beat. He's my producer, or poor producer. The aim here is to create something for our community, something informative, something that allows us to connect to our rich but erased history, and something overall enjoyable. It takes a lot of work, so please help support this podcast however you can. Subscribe, rate, review the podcast, follow us on social media and tell a friend about it. Tell an enemy about it, I don't care. And if you can, sign up to the Patreon. Just a couple of pounds a month, the cost of an iced latte. And I get to tell you about all of this incredible queer history. But if you can't afford that, don't worry. Hopefully somebody else who can pay does.